0: Hey everyone, I'm Alexis Barber
1: and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a show dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others by questioning everything and getting inspired by the beautiful people around us. Today we have Les, voice behind Balanced Black Girl podcast in the face of Balanced Less. She's an incredible wellness creator that has opened so many doors and helped so many Black women start to take care of themselves and provided amazing content to anyone. I'm so grateful I got to have her on to discuss everything from content creation to how to learn to love yourself and let go. If you love this episode, please make sure to rate and subscribe and find us both on socials in the episode notes. Let's get into the episode. All right. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So how are you doing?
2: Thank you for having me. I am. I'm good. I'm actually coming up on the end of a week of like PTO. I had the week off of work. and no so. Way. I got mm-hmm. to just pretend that I was a full-time content creator all week, which was beautiful. So I feel great.
1: <laughs> I love that. I did that about a month ago, like with Memorial Day week, mm-hmm. crazy feeling, you know? So how is it, I'm all, as, I, as I know, it's very difficult to be able to balance full-time job and content. How has that been for you?
2: Oh my goodness. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. So I've been Mm -hmm. balancing working full-time and content creation since 2014. That was when I first started blogging and creating content. And my content's definitely changed over time and evolved, but yeah, definitely not my first rodeo in terms of side hustling. So for me at this point, I've been doing it so long that it's second nature, but I'm also like, okay, I'm tired. I've I've almost Mm. been doing this too long.
1: (laughs) Totally. So is your long would your long term goal be to be a full time content creator? This is a question I like struggle with a lot with figuring out.
2: It is. I mean, I think my long term goal is to be an entrepreneur in some way. I think my ultimate dream would be to build a business that I could sell. I mean Oh my god, look at
1: you. You're in my brain, aren't you? Because that's I feel exactly the same way. Yeah.
2: Like I don't want to be the center and the face of everything forever. So I love content creation. I'd be happy to do that full time for a while, but I wouldn't say that's my ultimate life goal. Like I would love to sell a business and go disappear
1: on a beach No, I agree. That's my goal 100%. And I actually like um, didn't really know that that was possible until like just a few years ago. I mean, my boyfriend um, has always been very interested in entrepreneurship. His parents are both entrepreneurs. And I was always like, but you need a job. I was like, who started the companies? I had never seen that growing up. And now it's like my ultimate goal. I'm like, somebody give me a billion dollar idea.
2: Exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. It's crazy. But either way, your content is amazing. And I am always in awe of everything you do, especially with your podcast, which I feel like is one of like the crucial podcast, like if you're a black woman who's like really out here just like trying to better herself or just like have support in some way. So could you talk to me about how you got started with like the podcast itself as well as your content creation journey?
2: Yeah, thank you. Well, I really appreciate that. And um, I think over the past few months, particularly, the podcast has just really picked up and it's been a really beautiful and humbling experience But I started creating content in 2014, as I mentioned, and I started with a fitness blog. So at that time, I had a corporate job, but I was also a personal trainer on the side. And I'd spent probably about two years training clients and teaching like workout classes and things on the side. And I started just feeling really burned out. Working in the fitness space was really hard. It was hard on me physically. It was hard on me mentally. You know, I think your body image and sense of self really takes a beating if you're at the gym 24-7 and you're training clients who have body image issues like that rubs off on you. And so I was like, okay, I need to pause. I need to figure out how I can find some sense of balance in my life and figure out what that looks like. And also during that time, I was obsessed with reading blogs. I mean, this was in the early 2010s. Instagram wasn't what it is now. It was like if you were a content creator, you were a blogger or a YouTuber, and I was obsessed with blogs. And I was like, I spend so much time reading other people's blogs. I've learned all this knowledge about wellness. I'm tired of being in the gyms all the time. (laughs) Maybe I should just start my own blog to just share what I'm learning. And so... I launched that blog in 2014 and it was kind of your standard like healthy living blog. I had recipes. I had workouts. I you know started posting on Instagram some of that same content and started building a solid following and I did that for about four years and I would still kind of dabble in and out of personal training and I would get sick of it kind of for the same reasons like being in the fitness space was just so toxic. And in 2018, I just – I had enough. I mean, I went through my Saturn return. I don't know how familiar with astrology you are. Oh, I'm into, yeah. I'm into so in a few it. I'm into it, yes. You know, I know what you mean. Yet, but in a few mm-hmm. years, you'll your own mm-hmm. version of that. But it was like everything in my life just totally fell apart. I'd quit my job to try – you know, content creation full time. It didn't work out at that time. I was in a long term relationship that ended. I was living with my parents and feeling really self-conscious about it because I was entering my late 20s and I was like, okay, this is just all not working for me. (laughs) This is all not working. I need to pause from this fitness stuff. I need to pause from content creation and take a break. So I had taken kind of an extended break from Instagram and content creation in like the summer or fall of 2018. And when I logged back on, I was getting these messages from women saying, hey, Les, I know you're taking a break, but when you're not posting, I don't see black girls talking about wellness. You're the only black woman I see talking about these things. So when you're not here, like I don't see people who look like me talking about it. And that was when I had a light bulb moment of, okay, well- I know for sure I'm not the only person talking about this. (laughs) There are definitely other black women talking about it, but the algorithm is not serving it. They're not getting exposure. So what if I created a platform where I introduced my audience to other black women in the space? And that was when Balanced Black Girl was born, and my content took a huge shift, and that's how I got here.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, it's – That's a beautiful thing to say. It's also very true. Like the algorithm doesn't push us, but to their response that is to introduce your audience to new people. And I'm curious, like how did that feel then like last summer when everyone was like, we love black Mm -hmm. people now.
2: It felt like (laughs) Like, I've been trying to tell you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like you've been doing this.
2: Like I've been trying to tell you. It was super interesting. Um, it, it was super unfortunate, the circumstances, you know, of police brutality that led to that for so many of us, you know, blowing up or having more people exposed to our content. But it was also pretty validating of I've been saying this is a problem and now people are finally listening and people are finally believing it.
1: Totally. And how, how do you think that's changed like over the last year? Like, do you still feel – I know that they the, – do you still feel the momentum or is it more like – There's just more eyes on your content now.
2: I don't think much has changed at all. I think there was – I think last summer specifically, there was more momentum. I think more people were looking at black creators' content when previously they had discarded it. I think brands were Mm -hmm. looking to work with us more so than they had before. But I think ultimately Mm -hmm. that change didn't stick. And I think if anything, and I've talked to other black content creators about this, it kind of hurt us in a way because we had these people rushing to follow us and then they don't engage. So now our engagement rate like isn't what it was, even if our following was smaller before. And there's people just kind of taking up space, but they aren't invested in the work we do.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that as as well, um, but also sometimes it just kind of feels like why – like if it also feels like impossible to grow like especially we saw this bias like really pop up with Mm -hmm. tiktok honestly where i know i really related to a post you made of like you've been doing this for so long and there's these white women on tiktok who like within six months have signed with like major talent agencies and have multiple millions of followers and like i'm wondering on your side do you feel like there's a solution to that like do you feel like we'll ever get to a place where we can we can
2: have that same level of success and if so like where do, how do we do mm, that that's such a good question it's something that i think about a lot and part of my frustrations with that is not at all you know with those creators or those white women creators doing what they do and having what they have mm. that's totally fine my issue is that They get to thrive just for existing and we have to create all this value and just constantly prove our worth over and over. And it's like, okay, well, where's our – when do we get to thrive for existing the same way everybody else does? Mm -hmm. And so I think – having more opportunities where we get to do that is what's most helpful. And I think part of it also starts with the audiences and with what audiences engage with and expect from creators. Because I do think audiences have higher expectations of us as Black creators for what they expect to get, how pop and our visuals need to be, what value they get, versus if they follow white creators, they can just listen about their day and not have as high of expectations. So I think when audiences – Really look at what it is they engage with and what it is they reward with their engagement, that's when we'll start to see a shift. And a lot of people talk really bad about social media as if influencers have all this power and we're, you know, making everybody feel bad, but the audience is actually the one that has the power. We're over here, you know, Mm. (laughs) tap dancing to try to get some engagement (laughs) from audiences so that they see our value, so that brands see our value. The audience is actually who has all the power.
1: Truly, and that's a really good point is that like it's about like every little person who makes that decision, that conscious decision to say like, why am I expecting her to have a DSLR camera major like photo shoot something for the same thing that uh, potentially a white influencer could take a selfie with and get 10 times the amount of likes, you know? Like why do we expect – and honestly, I expect that from myself Um, and I think that's a hard part of it too is – Because in this culture now, it's supposed to be very relatable and off the cuff. And I don't know if black women are, like, allowed to be that.
2: Totally. And I think letting us really be real can also potentially make folks face realities that they don't want to face. And I think that's also part of what happened last year. You know, when people were passing the mic to black women, we were sharing our stories and sharing our experiences. Then, for a lot of white audiences, it was like, this is too hard to hear. I don't want to hear it. And it's like, well… But this is our reality, so you know.
1: Yeah, I get told, or like, I get haters that are like, "All you do is complain." Sometimes, and I'm like, "I'm not complaining. I'm just not exactly. white. <laughs> like, I just don't have like a perfect life all the time um, that I'm sharing." So, very interesting. So we uh, <laughs> got deep <laughs> pretty quickly there. Uh, but for you, then, when it came to when it comes to creating content, what keeps you motivated?
2: Honestly, I create content that I need to hear, and that is what has always inspired me to take action. I actually don't really believe in motivation. I think motivation is really good for getting started with something. When we start something new, we're very motivated to start, but- to continue Mm. something or to be consistent. It's not really motivation. It's more of determination, having purpose, and just deciding that that's what you're going to do. And I think a lot of people wait for motivation. Motivation doesn't really come for anybody. So I feel very inspired by creating things that I need to hear and sometimes people may think, oh, I have all the answers or I know everything and I'm like, no, I'm just giving the advice that I wish I could receive and I don't have anybody to give it to me so I'm giving it to myself and I'm sharing it with you all. But then I also get messages. I actually just got one the other day and it totally made me cry because it's like, I don't know, cancer season and everything Mm. is making me cry.
0: (laughs) But this girl
2: messaged me and was like, I just found your podcast a few weeks ago and I've been journaling and I've been going for walks and I just feel so much better. And it's like when I get messages like that, that inspires me to keep Mm
1: -hmm. going. That's beautiful, especially because it's like sometimes you just need that validation that someone – Like, like, because I think that it's true that what you said really resonated of you're creating the content that you need to hear because no one else is there to give it to you. And I have really – in this cancer season, (laughs) I've really been struggling with this idea that, like, I've always had to take care of myself and how frustrated that makes me. And so to be able to, like, at least channel it somewhere is a very beautiful, like, redirection of that energy. Yes, exactly. That's how I like to think of it. It's very crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, it is it is interesting with when it comes to content as well then when you are doing something like that, do you ever get overwhelmed by like a responsibility to help people or care for people? Because that's like a big trigger I've been having
2: too is like I can't just like fix everything for other people or educate them all the time, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think it gets really overwhelming sometimes when you just don't have the answer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I face that all the time and what I've found my audience resonates really well with is also honesty in times when I don't have the answer and just being like, I don't know, what do y'all think? And having a dialogue around it is really refreshing for people because I think a lot of people also feel like they're constantly being talked at. And sometimes mm. they just – they want to engage. They want to go back and forth. Maybe they want to vent, but they're not looking to us to solve their problems. So I try to keep that in perspective as well. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense.
1: That's a good way to think about it too. It's like in, talking at people is classic. Everybody's doing that. Like like, let's remind ourselves that the audience is the power and the people are are really the people doing this. So For when it comes to your journey with mental health, wellness, et cetera, how have you approached that, like from a lens of, you know, making sure that you're not, um, I guess, essentially like alienating any parts of your like past self or any parts of your like current like lifestyle or corporate job and content while still being yourself? Um, I know fitness was definitely something you said that rubbed off on you. So, how have you been able to stay true to yourself through? Your wellness journey.
2: Yeah, I love that question. You know, I have really big boundaries around what I share content-wise, and lately I've actually started bending that a little bit more and being a little bit more about or transparent with my audience because previously there were certain things that I would just never talk about. It would be strict wellness only. It would be like, here's what's on the podcast, mm-hmm. here's what I'm eating, here's a affirmation. And that's all y'all are getting for like two years. (laughs) I would never talk about work. People didn't even know that I had a full-time job. I'm like, how?
1: Yeah. It's surprising. It's surprising. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: I would never talk about like dating or my romantic life at all. there were just certain things that I would just never talk about. And for a while, that was good because I had a lot of insecurity about those things. And so it was nice to kind of protect my peace, not have people think that that was necessarily their business while I really went inward and focused on those things. So I would say the things that are really close to me that I feel like I'm truly working on personally, those are things that I may not share as much because I don't want to give the public a permission slip to be like all in my business if it's something that I'm really sensitive about. And then once I reach a point where mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I've kind of healed from this, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm not maybe as insecure about it or as sensitive about it, then I'll be willing to open up about it. And that's worked really well for me. And I'm also really grateful to have an audience that really respects that.
1: I love that. I think it's so scary to feel like, especially when like the vulnerable stuff does well, but you don't need 20,000 people's, like, opinions or energy in your, like, very deep feelings, but sometimes it feels like you have to do that if you want, like, the numbers of the engagement or something.
2: It's hard, too, because that does so well, but then I'm also like, well, I can't, you know, bear my soul every day.
1: (laughs) No, truly, you really can't, and it's all about that learning journey to like when it comes to work or dating or something like that, um, what I've found is like just sharing like I'm not obsessed with my corporate job. People are so shocked by that. And just, so I just hope that like just being honest about things in the moment is enough um, as well because those boundaries really need to, need to exist.
2: Totally. Enough. And I think for me, I, I've found that like sharing about things after I've calmed down a little bit when I'm not fully in it because then, you know… Mm. knows what would come out of my mouth. I'd probably have to go back and delete so much stuff. But talking about it after I've calmed down a little bit and collected myself so that the real feeling is still Mm -hmm. there, but I'm not just like spewing hot emotion on the internet has been a good kind of middle ground.
1: (laughs) I love that. So how do you keep yourself or calm down or like, what are your tactics for just being kind to yourself?
2: I feel really fortunate that honestly, my whole lifestyle kind of revolves around it. And I'm definitely not like blowing smoke when I talk about self-care or talk about those practices online. Like I truly do those things. Like my you know, life revolves around the different ways that I take care of myself and I'm always taking care of myself before I do anything else. Even yesterday, I was batching a bunch of podcast episodes and people said that they wanted to see more behind the scenes of podcasting. So I posted a story saying, hey, I'm about to record like three podcast episodes, but before I do that, I'm going to take a quick break for a meditation so that I can get my mind right. And so that's just Mm. an example of some of the ways that I take care of myself and also make sure that when I'm sharing something, I'm sharing from a place of like, love and calmness and not taking the stress that I had maybe before I was recording into whatever I'm recording because people can hear that. And I used to do that. And I actually got that feedback of people saying, hey, Les, you sound stressed. You should take a break. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Because people can hear it and they can feel it. And so really just checking my energy before I do anything else and figuring out what my needs are and giving myself what I need at any given point um, is, is how I stay centered in that way.
1: Wow. And I think that takes a lot of practice Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And just like um, calmness about the fact that it's not – the world isn't going to end. There's like a less of a sense of urgency to just like get everything done at once or like life goes on, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
2: Which is a far, you know, 180 from when I was like a senior in college and a new college grad. (laughs) 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, Um, a little (laughs) long ago, a little bit ago, I was the polar opposite. I was a walking Mm -hmm. stress case. Everything was stressful. I felt like I don't have my purpose. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone else is more successful. Like I was just, I had that energy with everything. And then I got to a point where I realized that nobody has it all figured out and that the only way I'm going to figure things out is to be where I am and to be in my lane and mm-hmm. that came with age too but then once you get to that point it just creates it makes taking care of yourself so much easier
1: right because there's not it's not like everything will end at yeah. some point and I think a big part of because I'm in that stage of life at the moment um, I don't know that if we hadn't had a pandemic if I would be in a place where I could calm down because when you're surrounded by a energies of absolute like craziness all of the time, especially in college where the best example is just that like everyone is like um, fighting over what kind of job you're going to have after you graduate, that type of thing. Once I graduated, I realized every one of us hates our full-time yes. jobs. Like none of us are like obsessed yes. with it. And it's like, well, why are we so stressed about this? And then we're gonna keep being stressed about work. Like I refuse to be stressed about work. Like it's not allowed over here. And I just feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when you're at this young of an age as to like what will make you happy when in reality you just have to realize that no, not everyone has it all together.
2: Totally, 100%. And I'm sure for you also being in New York, like the energy of New York is very much that like work grind, you know, kind of culture. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure like protecting your own peace for yourself is even more important in that environment.
1: It is. It's been hard to do, but I think I – We'll need a change of scenery at some point. But the um I'm a Midwestern girl at heart, so let me get back to the greenery. But it's a very weird thing to like be able to protect your own energy. And that's probably gonna be my big I'm not mastering it at all, but I've recognized that it's a problem and that's where I'm starting to learn now thanks to hopefully to a lot of your podcast <laughs> episodes which is wonderful but um i also would love to chat with you a little bit more just about your whole approach to like um essentially taking care of yourself in the way of like personal meditation journaling etc Where did that start for you? Like was it more of a – like when you were a stress case 10 years ago, (laughs) for example, were you journaling and meditating? And since there aren't a ton of black women in
2: this space, how did you find it? Great question. Yeah. 10 years ago, I most definitely was not at all. But, I would say I actually have to give credit to my interest in mindfulness to my dad. I always joke with him that he's the original balance less or that he's the original balanced black boy. Um, his name is also less. I'm named after my dad, so I joke that he's the original balanced black boy because um He's just always been into that stuff. When I was a kid, he had actually he might still have this Walkman. Do people even know what a Walkman is anymore? Oh my God, I love a Walkman. I have a Walkman. (laughs) He's literally had it since 1992 and he would listen, he'd call them his like relaxation tapes and it's probably very similar to what you would hear on like a Headspace or a Calm app or something. And Mm -hmm. so he would take his time, like, every day to listen to his relaxation tapes and, you know, write out affirmations and do all these things. And so I was exposed to that as a young age. I wasn't interested in it, but I remember seeing him do it. And then when I was a teenager, I bought this book, or I didn't buy this book, he bought this book, and he, like, left it, like, in the living room or something. Then I found it in the house, and it was, like, an introduction to yoga, meditation, and mindfulness or something like that. And it had, you know, some basic like meditation techniques and yoga flows. So when I was in high school, I remember like thumbing through that book and, you know, learning some yoga flows and being introduced to meditation that way. Then I went to college and I was a hot mess and forgot all about it. First few years after college, hot mess, forgot all about it. But then my fitness journey actually kind of brought me back to those things. Then I was like, actually, maybe my dad was kind of onto something with these practices. And so when I was in my kind of Mm -hmm. early to mid-20s, that was when I started getting back into it. But I do think that exposure to it from when I was a kid from my dad was huge because I didn't think it was weird. Because I saw, you know, one of my biggest influencers, my parent, do it. So it it wasn't weird to me or it wasn't out there to me. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I had exposure to it so that when I really needed those tools, I was able to pick it up and, and use it.
1: I love that story so much because I love the idea of a a, a black man with a walkman like just breathing into meditation yeah. you know that's idea that's a beautiful image so. When you say your fitness journey, how have you approached fitness to and have has it ever gotten like toxic for you? And if so, when it comes to like sharing your journey with people, how have you been able to balance that to where it's not something that overtakes your life but
2: rather something you integrated to your life? Yeah, my fitness journey has been all over the place. Ultimately, fitness has been a huge gift for me. When I was younger. I definitely was not a very confident person. I was very insecure just about everything. I mean, I was just super insecure of about everything, super jealous of everyone around me. And so when I started getting into fitness, and I started getting into fitness between my junior and senior year of college, which is like a whole separate story, but that was when I started working out. And at first, I really wasn't thinking too much about the physical portion. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, my body. I have a lot of thin privilege. And so weight was not something that I had really struggled with ever. It fluctuated a little bit in college, but then I could like exercise a little bit and go back to where I was. But basically I was just, I had no energy. I had no ability to focus. I just felt like a zombie. And so I started exercising Mm -hmm. to gain more energy. And the more I started exercising and the more physically strong I started becoming, I noticed myself feeling more mentally strong and more emotionally strong where I all of a sudden wasn't as insecure. I wasn't as jealous of other people. I was willing to just try different things that had probably terrified me before then or be willing to take risks, which I was never able to do. And so I experienced that early on in my fitness journey, which was really beautiful When fitness became toxic for me was when people started looking to me for wellness advice. And even though I, like I said, absolutely have thin privilege, I have not you know, ever had to struggle with my weight or growing up in an environment where people made comments about my weight, I also still don't look like an Instagram fitness model. And there was a point where I was like, I'm a trainer. I should look that way. I want to work in fitness. Am I not successful in fitness because I don't look fit enough? And so feeling that pressure of, okay, if I'm a fitness person, I need to be super jacked and all this other stuff that's just like not me became really, really toxic. And I found that my healthy place was to enjoy fitness individually, but that professionally it just wasn't going to be where I needed to be if I wanted to have a good relationship with it.
1: Wow, that takes a lot of self-awareness too, to just be like, I can see that I'm going down a rabbit hole here and it's not. It's like this or the other thing. And so I can imagine that was hard for you to like make that decision though.
2: Yeah, a lot of my identity in my 20s did revolve around fitness and being a trainer and being the fit person. And I actually took about two years not really working out at all, which was mm-hmm. very necessary And I'm just now starting to get back into fitness, like, over the past few months. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of unlearning and allowing myself to not wrap my identity so much in what I do and and see my identity more as who I am.
0: That's a big
1: lesson, 100%, especially – Sometimes it comes in a rude awakening, but I'm happy that you like had that moment of taking a step back and can get back to it for your love for it as opposed to like what it does for yeah. you. So that's amazing. I know you mentioned astrology. Yeah. <laughs> um, can we talk about Let's it? For talk a minute? About astrology. Like,
2: what is your what is your sun sign?
1: Sagittarius. Oh, nice. And I also have a Sagittarius stellium. Um and Leo rising Aries. No, Leo Moon, Aries rising extremely. Oh God, girl, you are all a lot fire. Of fire sign.
2: <laughs> I love it.
1: I'm all fire, I'm all fire, So this past few seasons, I have no planets in the first like four houses, so, um, I've just been like suffering like in Gemini, cancer, and all these seasons. I'm like, can
2: we have some energy, please <laughs> so but either way, what are yours? I'm a Leo sun. so shout out to fire. Uh, Leo, Love Sun, it. Taurus, Moon, and Libra rising.
1: Oh, every time everyone tells me they're big three, I can just see it. <laughs> like I can see it in like who you are immediately. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. So what got you into Astrology.
2: Um, honestly, kind of back to my parents again. I mean, they're not even that into astrology, but they would just talk about it a lot because my dad and I are both Leos. And so my mom would just Mm -hmm. get really fed up with us and be like, I've had enough Leo today if we were both just on one, which is usually the case because we're always on one. Um, my Mm -hmm. younger brother, my poor brother, he's a Pisces. And so having me and my dad be Leos and my mom is a Libra, like my poor brother, you know, like. Oh, I'm praying for it, Pisces. So, and but also we'd be like, all right, Pisces energy. Or my mom would get super indecisive, and we'd be like, okay, there's a Libra, you know. So I was always familiar with kind of the sun signs based off of just my yeah, an hour, you know, craziness. But again, kind of being in the wellness space, once I. Stopped only seeing wellness as fitness. I started seeing these other aspects of wellness and learning more about astrology. And actually, it was when my Saturn return was about to hit, and my whole life was just going to crap. And I didn't know why. My friend Jonathan was like, sounds like you're hitting your Saturn return. We're kind of all in it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the same age. And I was like, what does that mean? So then I, you know, looked up my birth chart, looked up what a Saturn return was, and then from there it was over. I was I was obsessed. And i I'm not as obsessed with astrology anymore, but there was a couple years where I was I was deep in it. <laughs>
1: totally. I mean, it can get really crazy because there's always something new to learn, you know. Um, Or you're, like, meeting someone new and you're just trying to figure out, like, why they are the way they are, which is crazy. Where are you from, by the I'm way? Seattle. Okay. That makes some more
2: sense. <laughs> <then. Yeah. laughs> That's why I'm exposed to all the dippy-dippy stuff from a young age, you know, West Coast, Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest.
1: <laughs> we love it. I feel like it's gorgeous over it there.
2: It is. It is beautiful yeah. up there. Yeah.
1: It's a wonderful, wonderful place and I feel like I – um, I want to get out of New York low-key like to be honest because it's just getting – a lot. it's like just opening up and I'm just like there's just- – <laughs> I need some calmness yeah.
2: if that's not a word but you know what I, I definitely mean. Definitely know what you mean. Just some space mm-hmm. to get some air. Like I feel like the energy of New York mm-hmm. is just very intense. I love New York yeah. but I love New York for like 10 days at a time. <laughs>
1: Totally. Yeah. I just got to figure out where else there is, you know, Um, because like my whole entire like life, uh, not life because I'm from St. Louis, but my whole, all my friends, my boyfriend, everyone like all moved here. And so it's like, um, where else would I go? But I'm pretty good at being by myself. So I'm not gonna say no to anywhere. But either way this is this is fun i love that you got into astrology as well so when it comes to the way that you um i guess approach sharing wellness with your with your followers i know you mentioned like having a good amount of boundaries and everything do you have like an like a content strategy or pillars that you try to follow um I'm asking for if there are black women who are interested in like starting something like this, if you really believe that type of like niche is necessary. Um, and if so, like how have you decided to go about like building your content and your brand? Yeah,
2: I love talking about this. So, yes, I do. I would say Balanced Black Girl has stronger pillars than like Balanced Less my personal brand. My personal brand I'm Mm -hmm. probably overdue to kind of revisit this, but for Balanced Black Girl, I do have content pillars. The main pillars of Balanced Black Girl are physical well-being, social wellness, mental and emotional, and spiritual. So on the podcast usually the episodes will align to one of those pillars if it's an episode where I'm interviewing a therapist that's going to be you know the mental or emotional if I'm interviewing an astrologer or, or a human design guide that's spiritual if I'm interviewing you know a yoga instructor that's going to be more physical and I do like having for lack of a better word balance across those topics because I want to expose mm-hmm. my audience to different modalities all the time I don't want people to think that you know wellness only means means being super fit or meditating every day, that it can be a little bit of everything. So for my content for Balanced Black Girl, I do have those pillars that I use to kind of strategize what I share. If it's been a while since I've done something on physical wellness on the podcast, I'll know maybe it's a time to pull back some of the other things. And I'm constantly looking for the right combination of content on the podcast within those pillars. For my personal content, Mm It's kind of just been the Wild West, and honestly, I need to I need to lock it up a little bit. I need to kind of tighten it up <laughs> because the pandemic just kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, well, I'm at home all the time, so people are just going to see what I'm doing when I'm doing it, but now that life is it's kind of coming back a bit, I'm like, okay, we can expand this a little bit more.
1: I love that. It's <laughs> I agree because when you build a brand, you can put pillars on it, but when it's you, you have so many different parts of you. Like there's no way to just like pair it all down to one. But that is what gets rewarded on social media. That's true, And
2: it's been interesting so. to see, even comparing like my Balance Black Girl podcast account to my Instagram account, like my Instagram account has more followers because it's been around for longer, but the uh, podcast account grows so much faster. I can do one post and gain oh. 100 followers versus I no one post that I ever post on Balance Less gains 100 followers just from a person because people are people are more willing to engage with a person, but they're more willing to follow a brand. And so finding that kind of dance between the two has been very interesting. It's been a very interesting experiment.
1: That is so interesting. That is so interesting because I agree. I'm probably more likely to follow a brand because then, oh, there's so much psychology we could get into with that. But do you ever face like – people um, to like backlash at all or like frustrations from social media or like negative comments? And uh, if so, how do you deal
2: with it? Because I need advice. (laughs) You know, knock on wood, I haven't – not to say that I haven't at all because I definitely have, but it's been very rare. If there's ever been a time where I Mm -hmm. experienced – a Decent amount of backlash at once was when I first launched balanced black girl the podcast and I posted about it on my personal account and I asked people you know I told people this is the goal of the show what are some topics you would like to see and I got a lot of feedback from like my white women followers saying how can we be better allies to black women in wellness. And I did this kind of story series basically saying, I appreciate the question, but that's not the goal of the platform. The goal of the platform is to center Mm -hmm. black women in wellness. And if I talk about how you can be a better ally, that centers you. And that's not my goal. And I definitely Mm -hmm. got backlash from that. I lost a bunch of followers when I posted that. People were just super upset about it. But I'm also still glad that I did it because it set a very important boundary that I think has really helped balance Black girl moving forward because people knew what it was and what it wasn't. And I haven't gotten requests like that since because I did kind of draw that line in the sand and say, that's not my wheelhouse. One, because I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't know how white women can be better allies. They know the totally. ways in which they aren't. So, like, you, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you that. I don't know you. I don't know the ways mm-hmm. you aren't supporting black women in your life. So, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm not a white back. woman. So, I can't. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, that was the one time That's I did tr- get some, some backlash.
1: Totally. And, but I do think what you said there was a really great lesson of just like being a very, strong in like what you wanted to provide the world which has grown into something beautiful but also in when you're first starting out and like you're getting I guess pressure to like be one way or another way or do something or like cater to everyone instead of the people you're interested in catering to it can be overwhelming and feel like the success is inevitable without doing that so I think that it's really a great lesson to hear that like you did draw the line, you did have the boundaries. Like, have you always been strong in your boundaries, like um, from your
2: parents perhaps or from your Leo son? <laughs> um, or has it been hard to, to build those up? Boundaries are definitely something that came over time. One, with age and two, with being on the internet. I mean, I've also seen, you know, the internet and having mm. these platforms kind of chew people up and spit them out. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening with me. And so I think the longer I've been on it, the more comfortable I've been with my boundaries. But it definitely took time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've mean, i only been doing this less than a year and I need more boundaries. I'll tell you that.
2: But also, everything you that, that you've done in amazing. under a
1: year is incredible. I appreciate it. It was wild and – definitely crazy but it's been really I don't think I started doing it really seriously until about three or four months ago and it's just wild to see where I was then as compared to now you know
2: like it's amazing it's crazy
1: yes I appreciate it well it's um I, it's been amazing to like watch especially your platform grow too because I do think of you as sort of like an expander like if she can do it oh, I can do it you. as well which is really helpful so I appreciate it um and I have I love chatting with you so, so much. I like to end my episodes with a few questions that I ask everyone if that's okay. Awesome. So the first is, what is one resource – it could be a book, podcast, anything that has helped you learn or grow exponentially? Ooh,
2: that is a really great question. I need to, I'm thinking of like so many. If I think of just one. A book – that I really love. Actually, I just read it, but it has had a really big impact on me. And the way that I show up is called We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. I want to read so bad. It looks so good. It is really good. I highly recommend for, I mean, the book is, it's kind of a money business book, but it's also just about owning your power and really, if you want to make a difference, like empowering you to make it. And I just read it like a few weeks ago, but I kind of want to read it again because after reading that book, I just started implementing some really small things in my business and how I live my life. And honestly, my business and my quality of life and even just my mindset have improved so much. So Mm. I think that's a really good place to start is the book is dope. Rachel Rogers is great.
1: I love it. I love it. I've been seeing it all over Instagram, and now I'm about to go do a, you know, a weekend Barnes and Noble yeah. or Greenlight bookstore <laughs> show trip because I'm staying inside. It's too hot to go outside <laughs> anymore. I'm a read. Um, okay, then I'd love to do a few rapid fire questions before our last yeah, one, if that sure. works. Cool. Okay, so the first is appetizers or dessert. Yeah. Dessert. I love it. Um, Instagram or TikTok? TikTok? For sure. I love TikTok. Um, favorite TV show of, of oh, all time?
2: I'm about to sound real old, um, but A Different World <laughs> is like my comfort show. I could just rewatch that show over and over.
1: I love that show so much. I want to just recreate all the outfits. Oh, it's so good. Honestly. So good.
2: It's so good. So good. Um, favorite podcast? Oh, favorite podcast? Podcast. That's a good one. I feel like I am always changing podcasts all the time. And I actually listen to podcasts that are super different from mine just to hear Mm -hmm. what other people are up to. And a podcast that I've been diving into that's been really interesting is called Expanded by Lacey Phillips, I think. No,
1: because I was listening to that all weekend. It
2: is just – it is really really fascinating the topics that she dives into and I'm not necessarily saying that I like agree with everything or even the point of view cuz I think that brand has also had some some controversy but mm-hmm. just the perspective shared on that podcast has been really interesting. I've been listening to it a lot this week.
1: Yeah, I have too, which is very yeah. funny. I um the I agree. I think there are some parts of it that are just a little too salesy, honestly. I'm sure there's been controversy, but there are great perspectives yeah. on there. Um, Okay. Most important self-care practice?
2: You know, pretty much every day, the first like hour of my day and the last hour of my day are phone-free and that is mandatory for me.
1: It's next level. It really changes the game honestly when you're not consuming that early or that late. Okay. So the final question that I like to ask everyone is – Finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know. You are too smart for comparing yourself to other people. I love it. I 100% agree. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for all the work you do, and for chatting with me about all things ranging from ranting to uh, fitness <laughs> and lifestyle. So thank you thank so you much. for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart For This. It means the world to have your support. And if you love this episode, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it and it really helps the podcast grow. If you want to hear more content from me, your host, Alexis Barber, check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for more content about self-care, wellness, loving yourself, and realistic fashion finances and career here in New York City. For more on our guests, check the show notes below and make sure to click any links so that you can get directed to their incredible content. Once again, thank you so much for listening and don't forget that you're too smart to not love yourself. See you next Thursday for another episode.